A new guy in town? A girl who rebels against her preacher father? A town that outlaws dancing? All this can only mean one thing, we're comparing Footloose on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. Parker. I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro, Retro versus, versus Remake. Remake. This Dance is this edition. <laughs> Dance. <laughs> oh god. This is the series where we compare movies and their remakes. Join us as we answer the question, should this remake exist? Today's films are Footloose. Getting right into it. The original Footloose, released in 1984, starring Kevin Bacon, Laurie Singer, Chris Penn, Sarah Jessica Parker, Diane Wiest, and John Lithgow. Directed by Herbert Ross. Screenplay by Dean Pitchford. Music by Tom Snow, Jim Steinman, Dean Pitchford, and of course, Kenny Loggins. Footloose 2011. Starring Kenny Warmald, Julianne Hugh, Miles Teller, Zaya Colon, Andy McDowell, and Dennis Quaid. Directed by Craig Brewer. Screenplay by Craig Brewer. And Dean Pitchford gets another credit here. And the music by Deborah Lurie and Blake Sheldon. Okay, Reggie, what is your first experience with either film? First experience with the 1984 classic, my friend, <laughs> Footloose. Just generically when I was younger, um, like we've talked about sort of uh, almost like crate diving. I know it's more of a music term, but... Back in the blockbuster days, I've definitely done some mm-hmm. diving in, and uh, I've seen Footloose. For some reason, I don't know why, it really resonated with me. So this is going to be a weird, <laughs> weird episode. I've got strong feelings about the original film, um, as an aside, because the films are so similar. You know, one time, my buddy Tom Loomis, he's in a, a string band, and this is a weird aside. Okay. So you know. Go um, on. <laughs> he's... <laughs> He's in a uh, string band. Uh, there's like a tradition in Philly called the Mummers, and they do a Mummers Day parade, it's like an Irish string instrument thing. And one summer we were at this parade, which happens every New Year's, and my buddy Tom Loomis' dad knows Kevin Bacon. So while we were walking around, Kevin Bacon like pulled up an SUV. He was like, "Hey, Tom," and uh, I have two degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. What? And now you have, <laughs> now you have three. Uh, <laughs> All right, I feel like I know him. Like exactly, me too. Great guy. Um, and this other movie, never seen it. <laughs> well, I can actually say that about both movies because, yeah, I had actually managed to never see the original Footloose somehow. I don't know. I've seen clips of it, obviously. I'm sure I saw a bunch of it. I probably saw most of it in, like, I Love the 80s or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was, I'm obviously familiar with the music from the movie. But uh, the only thing I think I remember seeing ever when it was on TV was just the very end, like when they're at the dance. I'm like, this is, this is already done. I don't need to watch the movie. I know they get their happy ending. So, um, yeah, dancing movies not necessarily my forte. I know I picked this one. That's because a few weeks ago I put together a movie montage power hour. Nice. <laughs> um, and I picked the scene where he's trying to teach Chris Penn to dance. So I was like, I gotta watch the whole movie. This looks hilarious. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I was 
it wasn't what I expected. Right. Let's just I'm leave sure. it at that. Sure. And of course, I had never seen the remake, and they're, like you just said, they're pretty much similar movies. Yeah, I got what I didn't expect kind of twice. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. We're, since you have a nice connection to this, and you know Kevin Bacon, pretty much, um, I'm sure you're going to be carrying <laughs> most of the weight here in our discussions. Yeah, and I'll say this, that uh, knowing what I know about Footloose, just some of those minor references you made, whether it was a commercial, off of, like a couple clips from I Love the 90s, the end in that scene, you, you got it. So your synopsis <laughs> should be really easy. Like, <laughs> that that's the movie, my friend. They are very similar movies, and uh, a lot of things are the same. So I my synopsis, although simple, it's rather long because I had to use, I could go into really small details here. Um, all the names and places are pretty much the same. So uh, here we go with our synopsis. Ren McCormick has just moved from a big city to a small town Beaumont. It has a religious community which has outlawed dancing. The reason it's illegal is because after dancing, some teens died a few years ago. Ren can't even listen to loud music without getting in trouble with the law. Ren meets the Reverend, his daughter Ariel, her boyfriend Chuck, her friend Rusty, and Willard who'd become his best friend. He even gets a job and joins a sports team at school. Chuck and Ren, they don't get along so well and they have themselves a little competition. Ren wins, and he gets Ariel's attention. Later, Ren is given weed at school. Even though he doesn't want it, he gets caught with it. After getting hassled by everyone, Ren escapes to a warehouse and gets out his frustration the only way a young man can. Dancing. Dancing hard. After dancing his ass off, he sees Ariel, and the two have a heart-to-heart. -heart. Tensions between Ariel and her dad continue to grow. Ren eventually decides... He wants to throw his own dance. Ren and Ariel continue to hang out along with Willard and Rusty and they all go out of town to a bar. Everyone at this bar is dancing, except Willard. He instead gets too drunk and after a fight, they all have to leave. Once again, Ariel's dad loses his temper at Ariel. Ren continues to organize his dance. He learns that he must appeal to a council to get this anti-dancing law abolished. While he's doing this, Ren also teaches Willard how to dance. Meanwhile, Chuck and Ariel have a very physical falling out. The council meeting is approaching. Ren explains why he has to do this. He also gets some help from Ariel with Bible passages about dancing. The council meeting finally arrives. Ren pleads his case, quotes the Bible, but is ultimately denied. Seems like all hope is lost. Turns out... Where Ren works is just outside of town. We know because the fire department won't go there. And the anti-dancing laws cannot affect them there. All he needs to do is convince the reverend. So he has a heart-to-heart -heart with him and asks him if he can take his daughter to the dance. That Sunday, the reverend gives the dance his blessing. All the kids are hyped and set up their prom. Dance seems to be going fine, but then Chuck shows up. Chuck and his crew start a fight with Willard. Ren shows up and helps him out, and then him and Willard are victorious. They return to the dance, and then everybody gets loose. Foot loose. <laughs> there we go. So that's, I think I said a lot more than I needed to <laughs> in that. But uh, just wanted okay. to mention some of the high I points. I relived the film. I relived the film. <laughs> Alright, so like we said before, these are very similar films. I was able to use all the names, like none of the names changed really. Locations have changed a couple places, but characters are all the same, so that should probably be where we start our comparison here. 
So let's start with our main character, of course, Ren McCormick, portrayed by Kevin Bacon in the original, and Kenny Warmald in the remake. Okay, Ren. I'll let you uh, start this one off, Reggie. I'll start us off. Now, this is counterintuitive, but in the original movie, when things start, like, it's very hard to know when the movie starts. Because you get this sort of dancing feet montage over this awesome pop song by Kenny Lawless at the beginning of the movie. It has no relation to anything that's going to happen um, after the fact. And we just open in a church service. There's a bunch of panning over people. We haven't been introduced to anyone. And uh, you just see Kevin Bacon kind of sitting there being Kevin Bacon. That's not a great intro. It's not. <laughs> However... Somehow, I like it a little bit more than the intro in this other film. Um, just to kind of get, get this out of the way, because there is, as you mentioned in the synopsis, there's this tension with, um, with this kind of like school dance element. Uh, we're still not really introduced to our main character in the remake because they want to lead in, instead of doing the foot montage with the Kenny Loggins song, which they kind of do, they really want to emphasize that a bunch of kids died and... You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if killing a car of teenagers in your opening pop song scene is the best way to intro a movie. Because then after that, we do get introduced to Rem McCormick, who more or less gets off a bus. He's got a leather jacket, and you know, he's just give me all the uh, the tropes of the sort of the rebel kind of tough guy coming in from out of town. And then they give him the strangest Boston accent <laughs> I think I've ever heard. Um, how did you feel when you saw the, this this tough coming off of the the bus? I I was like, okay, I guess I could see him being this Ren guy. I, I didn't really think anything too much of him. He doesn't really do much different uh, than Kevin Bacon did in the original, other than that amazing Boston accent which you just referenced. So I don't know. It's kind of spoilers. These aren't exactly, <laughs> these aren't exactly my films, so I was kind sure. of in sure. and out while, during my viewing. I wasn't like, man, I need to like pay attention to everything happening. It's like I, I get it. I got what was happening, so I, I wasn't nitpicking every little thing of his sure. performance. The subtle nuances uh, might not be so apparent to me, but I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was great, but I didn't think he was terrible. Um, yeah. They did make a difference with him by just having him go to this small town by himself as opposed mm -hmm. to the original where he's there with his mom did that really make a difference in his character not really so i that, thought he was initially my first impression was that he was okay yeah i got the same vibe and you know even though footloose does open loosely like uh feet in and you're at a church service with no context of who anybody is because the story although it's very extensive in your synopsis, is a very straightforward story. I actually kind of would rather just get to it, like we see in the original film, versus this Ren, where, uh, to your point, they build him out in a lot of different ways that don't fundamentally change the story or bring much to it, that it's almost like, you don't even have to bother, in my opinion. We'll talk about this more, but like taking the mother out of the equation creates some differences there, but ultimately... When you kind of know what you're you're in for, adding like an extra scene or here too with uh, the character and building him out, ultimately doesn't really matter that much because even with the sort of uh, the dead mother angle, it doesn't really change him. Like it doesn't change mm -hmm. what his fight ultimately is, which is like 
he's coming in town, and I think both actors really pull this across. They just get railed on the entire time. I mean, from the minute they get into town, it's just a constant barrage of, hey, you're a Yankee, you're not from around here, and you just have these two frustrated characters that are misunderstood, you know, sort of the fish-out-of-water scenario. Adding more to it didn't feel like more was coming. You know, like, I didn't feel like there was... I had a better understanding of who Ren was because his mom died of leukemia. So, uh, more or less... That addition did not feel like addition, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, they made some weird choices, I think, a little bit in the remake. Like, both kind of have a lot of... Well, the remake has a lot of similarities from the original. Just going a little bit ahead to when Ren first, like, goes to school. His first day of school, right? So he's dressed up in, like, this jacket and tie. You know, he's kind of pulling off this David Bowie vibe, which makes a lot of sense in the context of... In the original. 1980s, right? Because he's trying to look like David Bowie. Okay, right. well, he's pretty big in the mid-80s. Get it. Now he's looking exactly the same in driving the same car in 2011. Right. It's why? It, it doesn't right. make sense why he would dress up exactly the same. So right. it, there's this thing re- where the remake's trying to be too true to the original, where it's hurting itself by doing that. Yeah, like when you're making references just to make references... It, it's fine. I mean, like, it's not like an Avengers movie. I don't need, I didn't, we didn't read the comic book, you know, like, just do the movie however you're going to do it. Like, you know, you're better off, I get that he drove the Volkswagen little mm-hmm. bug in the original, but like, you're better off in this scenario, like, yeah, fix up this old beat up Mustang, you know, yeah. like, that would make a little bit more sense right. for this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, I mean, like, Footloose works on any level because it is an 80s film. It's It's mm-hmm. sort of, absurdly 80s right you know like i said this fish out of water but like yeah he comes into town and i get where some of the animosity comes from for him not even because of who he is but like this guy comes in town he's dressed like you know rock stars and stuff like that like who does this kid think he is like why are you wearing a tie it doesn't make sense and it but it gives him an edge that like reads as cool in this town so it's like mm-hmm. i get why the girls see him even though <laughs> I don't know, Kevin Bacon, I don't know, does he feel a little aged out in this movie to you? Maybe a little bit, but I mean, in the 80s, like, everybody was in their late 20s, so. That's, that's true. <laughs> Especially that's uh, true. the love interest, I think she looks like, she's, like, super old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, you, you've got this, like, feathered hair, you know, <clears throat> Kevin Bacon, and like he's, you mentioned, it makes sense in 1984, you yeah. know, like, this David Bowie, Flock of Seagulls type kind of, like, right. reference point. It's a time capsule. So then when you put it in 2010, you're not using a 2010 or 2011 time capsule. You're using an 80s time capsule. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's cool in this scenario exactly. for wearing a tie. I think he's strange for mm-hmm. wearing a tie. You know, there, there was a different way to show him being all buttoned up, you know. And I think like if you had built since they went through the effort of building out the character, why is he wearing a tie? You want to, like, explain that to me? Mm-hmm. Like, I know why mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon's doing it, because he wants to be like David Bowie. Right. Why is this Ren doing it? Does he have, like, a background? <laughs> like, I don't know, in my house, like, we wore suits. I, like, something. You got to give me something to explain the decor, because, honestly, you're better off with how he came to town, which is just, like, you know, the rebel without a cause, you know, leather jacket mm-hmm. and a T-shirt. Like, he would have fit in very well, so, you know... He knows how to dress to come into town. Why would he dress differently to go to school? It, it didn't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense. Yeah. Just uh, 
talking a little bit more about this point, like Kevin Bacon, like dressing like David Bowie in the eighties, like it's, it's like, you know, his fingers on the pulse. He knows what's hip, like where he mm-hmm. comes from. So he's bringing that to the small town. You don't get that with the new rent. Cause it's like, well, that's not hip anywhere, man. So it's like, you're not reflecting the time. Like Kevin Bacon was clearly reflecting, like this is popular at this time. So I'm bringing this from the big city to the small town. So that's why everybody's like, Ooh, who's this new guy? But then in the remake, there's nobody dressing like that. He's not bringing like any flavor of 2011 to this small town that wouldn't know so much about it. So I think that's like more the appeal of the Ren in the original that he has this big city kind of mentality that he's bringing to the small town. And it's more apparent right. than the Ren in the remake because it's, it feels like we're clinging too hard to the original here by trying to like bring back references to it. And it's not of the time i'm gonna that's kind of my hang up on the remake you're gonna hear me say that a lot during this review so spoilers i mean you don't remember hanging out at high school dances and footloose comes on and everybody lose their fucking mind (laughs) (laughs) in 2000 at this point five years early 2006 that's not what was hot in the street at the keggers um i mean in to your point there are different scenes in the film like uh uh scene that i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit but when they go to that one sort of diner and the guy gives him like a David Banner seat. So these people listen to right. popular hip hop. Like they mm-hmm. have iPods. They have um, one of the Willard lines that gets sort of repeated in this film. He says, you know, we have the internet and TV. So like they know <laughs> popular references and then they're dancing. Like the kids in this town are much more cool and like hip than the kids in the 1984 movie. They These kids have dance. They There was a time... <laughs> where they remember dance and they, they like actually, <laughs> they actually dance and like more so than in the eighties movie where they're kind of like bopping their head at a diner. They're like doing full on fucking routines. And then like, Ren's not showing anybody <laughs> anything they don't already know. So like, I, I just don't quite understand what he, like you mentioned, what, what's he bringing to the, to the table that's not already there. Yeah. That's um, just going back to that diner scene. Yeah, like, all the kids, like, they know, they're listening to, like, current music that they like, and then their dance choreography is just like, wow, (laughs) where where do these moves come from? You don't need this guy at all. It's like, you have that same scene in the original, they're just kind of bopping, you know, doing their cheesy 80s dance, um, and you don't really see them pick up that choreography till the very end, so it's like, oh, this guy's necessary, because, you know, they're not, they kind of know good music, but they're not there yet, so we need this, they need this Ren guy to kind of you know show them the way but they don't really need him in the remake because they're already they already know the good music and they already know how to dance obviously so it's like right why is he there <laughs> yeah yeah i mean when you when you have to ask that question it's like this movie is relying on you having full reference to the original film because they're making these references that like if you were just coming into this cold this means nothing to you and it's not really modernized in a way that it's like okay what's up with the car like you know you would imagine that given that everyone else is driving like kind of newer pickup trucks and stuff like that like don't you think someone would kind of make fun of them you know not that that's nice but like i think they would sort of be like why are you driving that mm. you know like yeah, what true. makes him cool that time capsule element comes into play here and you know they go to the diner and the guy gives them like a bootleg cd of some david banner who's a popular artist at the time they're playing like you know, loud music, and they're like a full-on, like, production, <laughs> like a choreographed show. It looks like something out of, uh, 
out of uh, you got served. And I'm like, <laughs> what is Ren? Why are we talking about Ren? Let's talk about these guys. They got a whole like underground dance crew. And like the one kid who's like a side character, that's strike. He's got two strikes on his belt. So he's been running <laughs> uh, illicit dance ring. And we're talking about Ren McCormick. <laughs> what? Like, like it was just so weird because like it makes you wonder what is Ren bring to the mm-hmm. table? I know what he's bringing to the table in the original. He's he's cool and knows like all the current trends. And a remake is just some guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah, that scene was insane in the remake where they're just like, everybody in the parking lot just knows how, how this choreographed dance. It's really involved, very difficult dance. Like, everybody just knows it. In the original, everybody, like you said, they're just kind of moving their hips the way you do in the 80s, man. And so, like... Playing the arcade game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous and it's 80s cheese. But, you know, these people don't know yet because they haven't met Ren yet because he hasn't done his thing yet. And they don't get good at dancing, really, until the end of the movie. And then you're like, oh, okay. So Ren was important, so now they know how to dance. But, like, in this remake, yeah, they're already great at it <laughs> they're probably better than him i don't know uh we don't really need him and we know that he's not necessarily like this guy pop culture know-it-all that's gonna bring in here you guys don't know about music oh you do because you're already listening to david banner so all right i guess you're good at dancing and you already know good music what am i here for again <laughs> right and you know it's like not the only thing that sort of gets shoehorned here i mean when you look at his uh involvement in school well, even before I talk about this, in the original movie, there's a line where uh, Kevin Bacon, in some of his frustration is like, and I don't really remember the remake matching this, but he's like, this town, it feels like it's strangling and it doesn't even know, like these people are choking, they don't even know it. Like he knows what freedom is. <laughs> and he's he's in this town, he's like, guys, like, wake up. And I don't get that same vibe from this, this remake, Ren. I just kind of get to... You know, hey, these guys are, you know, like, I want to dance, but, like, it seemed more like because literally he just wanted to dance, whereas, like, that original Ren felt like, yes, it was dancing, but it was sort of more than that, you know? It was like, you know, kind of get with the times, you know? It translated better for me, and then going into, like, shoehorning things. In the original film, he's a gymnast, and that's kind of consistent. Like, one of his frustrations is they cut mm-hmm. him from the right. team because they don't have the money. It was probably because he's, you know causing trouble as it were right. around town in their opinion and the remake like they're like hey can you kick a football it's like what like wh- where does that come <laughs> from like there's no there's no gymnastic skill set that would go into kicking a football they don't spend a lot of time with him playing football it just felt okay you moved to like a georgia town so you got to play football mm-hmm. but then everyone knows him as a gymnast so i'm i'm confused as to what's going on there too i don't know there's not really like a gymnastics movement that translates to football so it's it's just one of these things where you having him playing sports in the original made sense because he was a gymnast. At least the school had a gymnastics team. So when he got cut, the question was, is it because they didn't have the money or is it because they don't like me? In the remake, he everyone knows him as a gymnast because he has like these gymnastics moves, but they just have him like playing football. What's that about? And there's no question about him getting cut from the team. So again, we've just shoehorned an activity into this movie to kind of be consistent with the original, but even the entire point of him even being on a team is because this is another one of his freedoms that's being sort of taken from him because of who he is. Like, the movie is really about trying to be yourself in an environment where you can't be, and I, I feel like this Ren has assimilated a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, he, yeah, a couple of people don't like him, but he, he's he got a whole football team behind him, you know? Like, it just doesn't, 
I don't get it. <laughs> what what was that change? Yeah, that was an interesting decision. I thought it was weird in the original, like how big gymnastics was. Like I was like, wow, everybody's really into gymnastics here. Just like him and Willard just <laughs> at gymnastics practice, I guess you call it. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And then yeah, he got cut from the team. And I'm like, okay. But like, or while I was watching the original, I was like, why wasn't it like football or something? Like a more, I get why it was gymnastics though, just because it, you know, helps with the moves and everything, the dancing. So I thought like maybe it should have been football. So I was surprised to see that it was actually football in the remake. But to your point, they didn't do anything with it. He doesn't even get cut from the team. That's the whole point of him being on the gymnastics team in the original was because getting cut was one of those things that drove him like insane. I was like, oh, I'm so fed up with this town because like there's nothing I can do. Like you said, you say he can't be himself. He can't listen to his loud music. He can't dance. He can't even be on the gymnastics team. It's like this town, he has every reason to hate this town in this original film. But in the remake, there's no gymnastics, but you know, just join football. Sure. Okay. And then we don't do anything with it okay (laughs) it's just just a strange choice you know and it being gymnastics is just kind of weird but you can kind of put it off to the side because like i guess they got a gymnastics team other people playing gymnastics like weird sport to reference here (laughs) but i I get it you know you never know small town maybe there's a history (laughs) in the remake like the gymnastics isn't a side so for it to be a major part of his character where people are referencing oh you like the gymnast guy it's like (laughs) <laughs> why do you why do you know because he did a backflip or two like does he openly do gymnastics in different settings we don't really see that the only time he even does gymnastics which again the only reason he's doing it is because the original movie did it uh is the angry dance scene and you know i'll argue that like from the choreography perspective it flowed a little bit better in the remake mm-hmm. I, I felt the impact of the scene was weaker for me but uh the way they presented it was like, okay, yeah, there's the gymnastics here and there, not just like randomly leaping in the air with no <laughs> <laughs> reference point. But like, it it was so strange because there, when else is he doing gymnastics? So it just didn't make a lot of sense there. And like that original film, again, we'll say this a lot about the original film. Is it goofy? <laughs> is it kind of dumb? Sure. But like that scene weirdly has some like heft to it. It's got some weight to it because of everything that's going on in his life. And in the remake, I'm just not, I'm not as convinced. He just seems to be doing a little bit better. And I think it's because they've introduced so many different characters yeah. that he has to interact with, which I'm sure is something we'll talk yeah. about. Yeah. Another um, source of Ren's like part of resentment in the original film is his uncle that he lives with. That role has been completely changed in this remake. Let's just keep check here. So in the original school's kind of against him even at home his uncle's being a dick to him but then in the remake yeah school's a little bit against him but home life is good you know both his aunt and uncle very supportive of everything he does his uncle is there to back him up in court you know his uncle is the one that gets him the job in the remake uh this guy's team run 100 percent all the way so again he is able to adapt to his environment a lot better than that ren in the original and we'll get into that a little bit deeper as we talk about the story. But yeah, that's a big difference. Like the uncle in the original is sort of like the rest of the town being irrationally unfair mm-hmm. to him. The uncle in the remake is being more than fair. I mean, like he's uh, he's skeptical and he's telling him, you know, kind of stay in line. But like there's no point in that movie where um, I'm like, well, come on, man. Why are you? Mm-hmm. 
why are you being a jerk here? Whereas in the original, I was like, yeah, this guy's being a dick. I was a dick, like, every opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I told you you would end up like this. And, like, in the remake, he's like, I, I want to save some of the Uncle Talk for later, because I think he's an important character. Um, but, like, he's, like you mentioned, he defends Ren several times in the film. He's consistent, and uh, the wife character also gets a little bit more screen time, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And she's uh, supportive in a way that also doesn't make sense when you think about her addition. <laughs> but, uh, that, I mean, I think to really break into Ren and kind of pull all this stuff together, because there's a lot. Mm-hmm. For such a simple plot, there's a lot going on. I guess we would have to talk about the Ariel character. Yeah, go for it. Ariel Moore is portrayed by Laurie Singer in the original and Julianne Hugh in the remake. Okay, Ariel, the reverend's daughter with a bad attitude who likes to rebel and seems to have a death wish? (laughs) Yeah. Let's put it this way. So, the original Ariel, there's more mystery there in terms of Mm -hmm. uh, her background. Unlike this remake, where we know kind of why she's upset immediately because her brother clearly dies in like the first scene. (laughs) So like when she rebels, there's not really this question mark of why she's doing Mm -hmm. it. Where in like the original, the rebellion doesn't feel like, especially on the front end, it doesn't feel that crazy. You know, it just feels like, okay, she's a preacher's daughter. She's got a bit of a wild streak. Likes to have fun with her friends. In, In the remake, I don't know, it's just... I think they're trying to be more extreme with their sort of expression of her wild streak. Mm-hmm. And right. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, it starts to make you question the preacher who we'll talk about more because she clearly has issues and we sort of know why. So, like, the fact that they're not really addressing it throughout the film as a family sort of unit is a little strange. Whereas in the original, like, yeah, I'm not really thinking about that. And it's kind of a cool little backstory note that... um Cool is not the right word, but it's an interesting backstory that, yeah, her brother died. Like, we don't learn that until about halfway through the film. And, you know, that gives us more insight into other characters who aren't really fleshed out. But, like, okay, I get why the Reverend's being a dick because he's got this background. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, right. Julianne Huff, she, she's doing a lot of good acting, but I think they just gave her too much to do, you know? Mm-hmm. The simplicity, I think this is a recurring theme for me. The simplicity of the 80s film works for me in a lot of ways because I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, for instance, um, in the original film, sort of one of the big set piece moments is when she leaves uh, church and she's like, I'm going off with my friends and then they're driving and we get introduced to Chuck, her boyfriend at the time. And they do this ridiculous thing where they, she is basically like standing between two cars that are driving while like an 18-wheeler is coming at, at him. And we get a little bit of that sort of wild streak death wish there. I don't know. It feels more accidental to me, a little bit like just kind of pushing it. Whereas like the remake, both of them have that sort of train scene. In the remake, it just feels like, I think she's trying to die. (laughs) There's just so many different moments where it feels like it's more than just like a fight with her dad. It feels like she's got real things that she has to work out, whether that's like therapy or, you know, a friend to talk to or something like that. I just... They made her more complex, but I don't think they did a lot to address the complexity. Yeah, I think I'm just going back to how the remake shows you uh, the brother dying. And we know immediately that that's her brother. Um, 
I think it was done a lot better in the original. Not revealing that until the midpoint of the movie. Like, oh yeah, then there was that car crash here. And yeah, one of those guys was my brother. That just like, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And then that, that takes you by surprise. And it gives her character a lot more depth at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. it gives her character somewhere to go too. Because we don't know everything about her the first minute. We know she's a rebellious teenage daughter of from this reverend. So you're thinking she's just lashing out against like this religious guy. But as we learn through the movie, there's more going on. And that just makes her character more interesting because we don't know everything about her. But in the remake, we know everything about her. And there's nothing revealed later. Um, That bridge scene doesn't have the impact it does in the original because we already know those kids died. We know how they died. We know everything. We we, we don't need this conversation. This is for Ren to know it, I guess. But we as an audience, we already know this. So it's kind of redundant for us to hear this again. So I think that decision, it might have been, oh, let's see what happened so they could understand why you would outlaw dancing because that's kind of a silly law. But I think in the long run, that that was the wrong move to do. And it hurts her character and ultimately the film too yeah not showing the death i think work like you mentioned it just works better mm-hmm. you know um a mystery so that when we get the reveal again at the audience at the same time as right. Rin, when they become closer because of this information that like you mentioned it makes sense it adds depth to her it shows you where that wild streak as it were comes from like why she could you know want to kind of do her own thing like this but then like uh in the remake and you know julianne huff or hugh uh references this um it kind of just turns into like she's at school and everyone kind of doesn't like her family because her when your stupid brother died it ruined everything (laughs) and that's not really the feeling i think that we should be going for here i think we should kind of stick to the the current situation i think everything in this remake falls back on this original scene and instead of just being like interesting backstory it's sort of like the entire like you you have to unwind that to even get into the current situation it's it's a little it's a little strange um to say the least and i also think that the fight with her dad like that energy it just i don't know i i think that you almost have to and that's why i'm saying simplicity is better here you almost have to like really dive into that to resolve it. I don't really f- feel like, you know, letting her go to the dance really resolves <laughs> that arc <laughs> with her dad. Yeah. Whereas in the original, yeah, you could take an easy solution to a more or less non-existent problem. You know, like I wish you treated me more like an adult. Okay, I'm treating you more like an adult. Done. You know, versus like it's been five years, all this stuff's happening. I'm all s- screwed up inside, and you've done nothing to help me. And now I'm like wow, uh, geez, I guess he should have done more to help her. And, like, I'm not thinking about the Footloose story. The problem is, like, she's... Honestly, when it comes to this movie, she's carrying a lot of weight, though. Yeah. Like, she's doing a lot of the uh, exposition and taking us from scene to scene. So I can't really... And I'm not, I guess, I'm not denigrating her performance. I just think that you're asking this character to do so many more things. This is rough. Uh, this, is, this, is a t- this is a tough one because they are so similar. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, I, I just think that you're taking a character that really, yes, the movie is about her and Ren's relationship, but the original movie is more about Ren. And now you're giving her so much more screen time and Ren, to me, though is more fleshed out, I care less, you know, <laughs> the way it's presented. 
so I'm now clinging to her story more, and it's just a little bit more unresolved. And I felt like Lori Singer just did what she needed to do. You know, she she's gotten there. Uh, she was able to match both of the uh, the romantic interests in terms of just like she's snappy, she's sassy, she doesn't take shit. You know, um, it's really well done, and we're not asking her to like carry major parts of the film the same way we're asking Julianne to do in her film. And I, I don't know, it just it feels slightly distracting to me. There's just a couple like small changes to the character in the remake. I just wanted to talk about. Really quick, that just I think she's a little bit stronger in the original. In the original, well, in both movies, she's um, I don't know how to say this <laughs> without getting in trouble here. Um, she's she's been with men before, <laughs> I guess if you could say. Uh, she tells her dad, oh, "I'm not a virgin" in church and shit like that. And then uh, in the original, I guess we yeah. see a scene after like her and Chuck like in the woods. They're just putting their clothes back on. And, you know, they're just going about their day. But the, the remake, Chuck almost sort of coerces her into kind of doing it. It's like, we're in this truck. Come on. Come on, baby. And she's, she's like kind of very reluctantly. She's like, let's close the door. Like, she doesn't want to be there. She's not having a good time. And she's doing shit she doesn't really want to do. I never got that vibe from Ariel in the original that she was reluctantly doing sexual acts on chuck against her will so that was one thing i yeah. thought was an interesting choice the second thing was um after the fight with chuck <laughs> the the a couple of rounds of chuck there um in the original she goes to ren and the they kind of resolve the issue kind of the two of them but in the remake right. she goes to her parents and then it just gets fucking worse <laughs> at that point so i don't know it just if by not going to her parents in the original, it just seems like a more sort of mature thing to do. Like, I don't need my parents to do this. Like, I could, I could solve this by myself. I'm going to use, you know, somebody, who, a contemporary, someone my age who cares about me. I'm going to have them help me deal with this instead of yeah. kind of going the little girl route. Not not just like a more yeah. childish behavior. Like, oh, I, I got hurt, so I need to go to my parents, you know. I think it's just... A little more mature to not always have to do that. I mean, it's a terrible thing to get <laughs> beat a woman, sure. obviously. So I'm not gonna condone that. But it just there's it's a different choice just to go to the parents or just to go to Ren. And I think yeah. everything in the original just makes her a stronger character for all those choices. I think you you did lock in on two really key changes. I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, in the original, like her independent streak is truly an independent mm -hmm. streak. You know, like. Uh, she's not engaging with Chuck because she doesn't want to. She knows exactly what she wants to do out of life. And she's saying, you know what? Like, yeah, whatever, Chuck. Like, uh, I'm still going to college. So, you know, you can figure that out for yourself. You know, like, like it's a completely different scenario. And I, I felt that that change was strange. And I, I didn't really like the context either of the close the door kind of scene in the remake, which, you know, like, it takes it out of her hands. Like, instead of her being like, you don't tell him what to do. Mm -hmm. She was like, yes, you do. And it was like, is that designed to make Chuck more of a villain? Because you don't really need to do much more than what we know is going to happen with mm -hmm. Chuck to make him a villain. So this scene is uh, extraneous, and it also, like you mentioned, it weakens the character. Her her rebellion seems more performative, to your point, because she does go back to her parents mm -hmm. in the church. I think, you know, possibly they're making that choice because in the original, the idea that, like, her parents 
can't figure out that she's got a black eye is strange. Mm-hmm. But uh, to your point, I like it. I like it better. It's it's in house. Right. Like I don't need exactly. my dad's help here. And I also found it really strange the way they framed the scene in the remake that she doesn't make it very obvious that uh, Randy yeah. do it. <laughs> I, I just I wasn't sure why that defense didn't happen there. And again, for the character in their relationship, it's strange because it's like, okay, so you like Ren, right? <laughs> so when people accuse him of beating you, you I would assume that you'd be like, no, he didn't. It was somebody else. Even if you don't want to say who it was, mm-hmm. you know, or, or make up some other story. Got in a fight with some girls at school. But like for that entire scene to play out and they're not be, cause I was sitting there wondering how that was going to resolve as an audience member. I was like, Oh man, they've accused Renner. Is the preacher going to confront mm-hmm. him? Or are they going to have to like work that out? It never comes <laughs> back up. The preacher's daughter gets beat up in 2011. In 1984, okay, you know, something should happen, but like I could see how nothing happened mm-hmm. there. But it's 2011, like something <laughs> should have happened there. And I didn't feel like, you know, I guess Chuck's parents own this like raceway or something like that, but I didn't feel like he had a lot of sway over the town. He just still seemed like kind of a punk asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just, I didn't get those choices, just like you mentioned. So yeah, you're right. Um, Singer is kind of leading the charge here because she, she is tougher from what we're right. seeing. We talked about her dad a lot. Maybe that's the next character we should go into. Sure. All right, Reverend Shaw Moore, portrayed by John Lithgow in the original and Dennis Quaid. In the remake, and I'll just throw her in, just in case we talk about her. His wife, Vi, portrayed by Diane Weist and the original, and Andy McDowell in the remake. I think we will end up talking about the wives just because I think you almost have to with the original. Yeah. Um, so Sean Moore, in the original film, we get the introduction to him. He is literally our introduction to the mm-hmm. movie because you hear voiceover. Same thing kind of happens in the remake, but his voiceover is at the church sermon. You are immediately aware of like this town's ties with religion. It's a central theme that to me feels cleaner in the original because uh, it makes sense to me how much influence Shaw Moore has. And John Lithgow, you know, he's in the middle of some fiery speech about this or that, you know, fire and brimstone type stuff. And because again, we talked about some mystery before, we don't know his kid died mm-hmm. earlier in the film. It gives us a runway <laughs> For an arc, and uh, I'm sure you know how much we talk about character arcs on this show. I just, I felt like there was so much more nuance to mm-hmm. him. So many different ways that he showed his humanity throughout the portrayal. And it's not that John Lithgow is, you know, acting his ass off mm-hmm. compared to like Dennis Quaid. I think, you know, I think they're fairly comparable here in terms of performance, but it's the framing, yeah. man. John Lithgow gets so much more to do yeah. that makes sense dennis quaid we get introduced to him at basically the town council meeting where it's like and we're banning <laughs> um music it's like does sean Moore have an influence on the band i'm sure he does but it doesn't feel like it's his decision ultimately but in a remake clearly it is because his kid died he feels responsible he put the ordinance into effect like by doing that and making him so ingrained in everything going on in town when things are screwed up, it is actually his fault. <laughs> it, you know, like when his daughter says, everyone blames the brother because of you, that's true. And when you, you know that he hasn't really like, 
helped his daughter through this sort of trauma, that's true, you know, like, so it, and you don't get the same redeeming scenes. Uh, one that I'll reference kind of early on, the, uh, the book burning, he's mm, like, stop, yeah. <laughs> stop burning books. <laughs> like, like, yeah, he, he's got ideology and stuff like that, but he doesn't, there's a line mm-hmm. for him. And I'm glad there's a line because we, all right, now I know how, where Shaw Moore's right. line is. I can relate to him mm-hmm. here. Where is that for right. Dennis Quaid? Yeah, that book burning scene, great scene in the original. Um, right. John Lithgow, he's, he's not like in the movie a lot, I would say. Uh, but when they put him on the screen, they, they do stuff with his character to, to help you sort of see his point of view. The book burning thing that you brought up, that's a great example. That's uh, some other guy who's like, well, I don't like these books, so we ought to burn them. Like, they bring that up a couple of times. He's like, I don't think we should burn these books. So you're on his side there. And then he actually goes to the book burning and just puts the kibosh in the whole thing. And he's like, okay. So like, like you said, like, okay, I can side with this guy because he does have redeeming qualities. So maybe with a little bit of guidance, I could be, we could be on the same team the whole way. But uh, there's no moment like that for Dennis Quaid. He doesn't butt heads with anybody that's supposed to be on his team. He, right. he there's no line i guess of morality or, or that he's like whoa that's too much for me too and also it gives you a little right. in, a, insight into john lithgow that he's not just like about like power or like i don't want to just control people like this i think this is a good thing and people should have it and, you know we again you just don't get moments like that with dennis quaid he's he's definitely in the film a lot less than john lithgow was in the original yeah i think um John Lithgow is concerned about moral degradation, degradation in um, some ways. Um, to him, like the book thing isn't it, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the dancing and stuff like that, you know, and well, he's not the only person in that time. Uh, and you can stretch this out over the course history who thought that like music was, you know, the source of problems for young mm-hmm. people. Um, he doesn't think it's books. There's even a distinction when, uh, the guy's like, yeah, we got that English teacher fired. Yeah, upstart, and he was like, he was like, yeah, that was you, that was yeah. You. Like he, right. he he doesn't take claim to something that he thinks is ultimately wrong. Right. And what's happening here is he thinks the dancing is wrong. He makes his case, and ultimately, like he's kind of wrong. And I think I think we do need to talk about Diane Weiss a little bit in in this situation. His wife really puts things in a context for him, and you know brings him back to. Remember when we used to dance? Remember when we used to do different things? And uh, and the light bulb goes off for him in a really meaningful way. He's also not as openly contentious with, with Ren. Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't like him and he wants some kind of cool as jets. But there are complete scenes where Dennis Quaid is like, get him in here. I want him more. It's like, why are you involved with Ren potentially like smoking weed at... Uh, yeah. <laughs> like why, why are you involved? You know, like his sort of ever presence in the remake in the town feels just more kind of ridiculous to me. Like, why, like, I don't understand why you're here. To your point, like John Lithgow being in less scenes means he's not the reason everything's going bad for Ren. Like, we don't need to focus on John Lithgow every second because Ren's problems come from other places. Like we mentioned his uncle, for instance. And some other characters where they have Dennis Quaid doing most right. of it. And because he's wrong, 
about most of what Ren's doing, whether it's the beating scene, mm-hmm. whether it's the uh, the joint, um, and some other scenes. Like what he has a bad impression of who this kid is, and he doesn't really do anything to like say like my bad. <laughs> like he just kind of goes about his day, and you know we're supposed to just be like, oh cool, he like wants him to do the dance. It's like for me, I want him to account for a few more things uh, in the film. Yeah. Yeah. It, just uh, I guess a couple other things. Like, um, there's one scene, I think it's around the time in the original where, um, the guy brags about getting the English teacher fired. There's a bunch of little kids around too. And then, uh, just, you know, it's a throwaway scene, but like, you know, the kids are having fun. Then he's sort of playful with them, you know? So he, you just get this small little moment of tenderness from John Lithgow's character. You know, you don't need it, but it does add build to his character and it does let us see him as like you know a sympathetic character okay he's not a terrible guy he generally does you know like people you know he's not just trying to be a hard ass all the time so that that's just one little scene i want to talk about also uh you had mentioned the slap uh the slaps from the father reverence happen at different times in each movie the it happened thank god you brought yeah it happens in the original after she goes out to town to, to dance i believe let me just check my notes one more time i want to make sure I'm getting this exactly right uh yeah yeah so this is after they go out of town she gets slapped by her dad in the original when she comes home from dancing at that out of town bar right she comes home late they get into a fight he slaps her goes upstairs it's like ah bad you know shouldn't slap your daughter and the remake <laughs> he slaps his daughter after she's already been physically assaulted she, she went to him for comfort after getting physically assaulted by Chuck with bruises, black eye, everything, and he still slaps her right there. It's just like, what? <laughs> this guy is insane. It, it, it's such a bad choice. <laughs> it's such, like, I, I cannot beat the drum enough on this. That is the dumbest, dumbest fucking thing you could do in a movie. I don't understand why anyone greenlit that, why test audiences were, like, you just finished, like you mentioned, full-on domestic violence fight, uh, you know, she's bloody and bruised, she's <coughs> even more bruised up than in the, the uh, original, where, you know, you mm-hmm. get the black eye, but I feel like, although Chuck is more sort of violent, in my in my opinion, mm-hmm. with, with mm-hmm. it, and I think they pull back a little bit yeah. in the remake, ultimately, because you just followed it up with the dad <laughs> on top of it it just doesn't make any sense and um i don't know like the reaction with the wife and everything like that they're in the church yeah. too. that's a problem <laughs> like there's just so many things that it's it's one of those changes like why did you make that change you know you sh- i shouldn't as an audience member be asking you why you made that change because it's just so ill place um and to your point about lifgow there's so many scenes where he gets to be sympathetic and like you, not that you're going to excuse the slap, but you can come back from the slap a lot yeah. easier. Like the, t- uh, like we mentioned the wife and I'm sure you were questioning whether we were going to even bring them up because in the remake, the wife being there almost is inconsequential, uh, beyond, beyond a doubt. Like the only thing time she really steps up is during that slap scene. And I guess it's to have somebody be the hero <laughs> in that scene. You know, um, but in, in the original, like the wife is like, you know, I, I feel like Diane Weiss really pulled off that idea of like, you know, I've been a preacher's wife for a long time and I've been quiet and I let you do your thing because you, you're inspiration to the town, but you're wrong here. 
and this is why you're wrong. But they come back and they have these like they dance together, you know, mm-hmm. they they re- remember what it was like to be young and y- you can understand why John Lithgow's like, oh, yeah, this dance is okay. <laughs> because he he starts to remember sort of his own youth and humanity in a lot of ways. And uh, the book burning scene, like we mentioned, helps with that because he can see it's like, OK, you can take this too far. Mm-hmm. And it makes us understand why he's able to to pull back in his remake. He's a raving lunatic a lot of times throughout the film, and there's not enough pullback. There's not enough tenderness. It's like pinning a corsage on somebody's wrist, you know, and you know, kind of being <laughs> like, ah, you know, my son used to sit in that pew. It's just not enough for what we've seen from Dennis Quaid's character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. I don't have much to say about the wife. Um, She's yeah. She does have a small part in both films. I remember her a little bit more in the original, but I think you kind of already covered it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The wife is uh, wife is a wife. It's not a big deal, but it's almost like you mentioned that small scene with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate there's not more for this actress, but like that's more or less her role is to soften Lithgow. Mm-hmm. And by definition, what we see there is, in my opinion, the clear advantage is Lithgow and Diane Weiss in terms of the preacher portrayal. I just felt like maybe this is because it's 1984, but like the preacher having that much influence made sense. Um, him being able to pull back and be a hero in moments, whether it's the uh, the book burning or, um, you know, which makes him more of a hero when um, the dance gets sort of resolved. Like there, there's just so many more moments for him, even in the short window to be better <laughs> than Dennis Quaid's portrayal of this character, that, like, those two, for me, uh, I would prefer to see them as the preacher and the preacher's wife versus I hardly remember the wife's portrayal um, in the remake. She's not a bad actress at all, but, like, they give her nothing to do. And Dennis Quaid, I don't know, it takes them too long to come around on that that turn. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add about the wife, but maybe the father-daughter relationship I just maybe want to touch upon. I could be wrong. Let me know sure. if I am. Um, I know there's a lot of scenes in the original where Ariel is just kind of walks into her father's room. He's always busy working, writing, probably reading the Bible or working on a sermon, whatever. And then it's like, she seems like she wants to tell him something. She doesn't. She's like, she's trying to reach out to him. And then he's not getting those social cues that, oh, she needs to kind of talk to me. He's just kind of, okay, all right, go on. I don't remember too many moments like that in the remake where like the daughter was like, trying to talk to her dad or just trying to get him to understand or just like struggling to try to get him to understand or just express herself. I think you're right about that. I think that that is again, because of a strength of the original film, which is that there's a lot of subtext. Some things aren't being said out loud. And we as audience really don't know why that awkwardness Mm -hmm. is there. We assume it's because she's a preacher's daughter. She's got like an ideal to live up to. And she doesn't want to like disappoint her father. In, in some ways. But in the remake, like, it's more antagonistic when they do interact. Yeah, that, that's what and, I was to say. There's not as many small moments with the two of them. It's always just them butting heads. That's what I remember. It, yeah, it's it's a constant conflict. And, you know, in the original film, it's sort of more believable that her father doesn't really know what's kind of like who she is, you know, because she's hiding part of herself from him. Um, she's really only herself... And honestly, in a lot of ways, even then she's not like when she's out with other people, 
because she still has to kind of figure out who she is, what she wants out of life, whether it's the college thing and all that. Like, it all just felt more, I don't know, like, more of a journey for this original Ariel and her father versus this remake where it's all born out of conflict. This this horrific thing happened, and none of us can get past that. We, we have to constantly reference it. Mm-hmm. We have to constantly argue and bicker with each other. And you're right, Lithgow does a good job with uh, with uh, Lori Singer with, like you mentioned, like, oh, it looks up from the paper. Oh, oh, did you want to say something? No? No? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you get that. I don't get that with Dennis Quaid. It's just like, ah, <laughs> all the time. Don't make me slap you. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, that slap. Yeah. Going back. I mean, how can you have those moments if, if you were just <laughs> assaulted? We're talking, about, we're talking about putting somebody else in jail for hitting her, and then you hit her. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's so yeah, weird. That was not a good decision. Like, <laughs> they made they made some really bad choices, and it made it hard to really feel that father daughter bond in the remake. Should we go on to another character? Sure. Um, you have mine. I don't really know where to go. I mean, we talked about him a little bit, so maybe we could talk about Chuck just a little bit. Yeah, I would say if we talk Chuck, it's going to be fairly yeah. short. I mean, um, he doesn't. It's not much different, but there's enough different <laughs> which because we've talked about him already so i figure that might be fair yeah. he's portrayed by jim youngs in the original and he's portrayed by patrick john fluger in the remake okay chuck this is the love interest to ariel this is the uh bad boyfriend i guess you can call him obviously he hits her yeah. uh but I want, you know what I want to talk about, Reggie? I think you know what I want to talk about. The chicken scene. <laughs> yes. So, just to, just to sort of frame it up, uh, we'll put, to give Chuck some backstory, in the original, his dad's a firefighter. Doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't really matter. But he is. Um, in the remake, Chuck's dad owns a raceway. So, the chicken scene, uh, more or less at, not like a midway point, but maybe like a quarter way through the movie, there's this sort of tension between Ren and Chuck because Ariel may have some interest in him. Chuck doesn't take too kindly to it. And in the original film, real small town, <laughs> real small time, it is two literally two tractors driving slowly towards each other. <laughs> and whoever jumps first or turns or something like that, they lose. And this is like it, again, in the context of this movie and this town, this makes sense, all right? <laughs> a bunch of crazy, you know, like, hayseeds, as it were. Uh, this is what they do for fun, because there's, there's not the internet. There's not really big TV, so I get it. What else are you going to do? That seems ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad it's there because it is, but, like, it, it's so it's so much nonsense. In the remake, I, I guess they were like, you know what? It's 2011. <laughs> we can't have no. a tractor. we got to have a nice, yeah. intense action sequence. <laughs> We got a Mad Max Fury yeah. Road, this thing. We, we've got these, like, tricked-out buses with, you know, crazy designs on them and stuff like that. And the problem with this scene, and there's many, but the problem with this scene is there's too much explaining of what needs <laughs> to happen. There was a different way to do this, to keep it between just Ren mm-hmm. and Chuck. Somehow it's Ren, <laughs> Chuck, that is like, there's another woman who's basically like, like I mentioned, Fury roading it. <laughs> you know, it's like Spartacus meets Mad Max. I'm, I, and I'm confused. 
because they draw this figure eight on the ground, and they have to explain this entire thing. If you go too fast, you might hit somebody. If you go too slow, they might hit you. So you got to keep <laughs> the perfect speed, keep this figure eight. And, like, when Ren asks, have, have people died doing this, you know, <laughs> it feels so much more dangerous. These buses are really flammable. They are prone to explode. Um, they tip over easily. I, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I understand you want to make it more exciting, but there's like four people racing and who are they? What's their beef? You know? And then like once once you take it to the point where we're endangering everyone's life, it just doesn't make sense, especially given the fact that five years ago we watched some kids die in a horrific <laughs> car accident. So it's like why are we trying to tempt fate again? It just felt really weird. And I hate to say it, I kind of prefer <laughs> That it, this stupid slow motion tractor, you know, Austin Powers, no. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, dude. Austin Powers, no. It's like it's going 10 miles an hour. You could easily get out of the can't way. Can't get off. Can't get off. I know, right? My shoelace is tied too well, and it won't get up as I'm furiously trying to move it. Oh, man, it's so ridiculous. So, um, getting into that a little bit. Yes, the simplicity of two guys on a tractor playing chicken. Easy. The figure eight buses with four people now instead of just the two of them. Also, don't forget, there's a car in the front. And for some reason, Ariel needs to be waving a green flag. But she doesn't have a flag, so she, there's an opportunity for her to take her shirt off. Okay, because we can't do what they did in the original. And I don't know, man. Yeah, it was confusing, uh, just the concept of it. And it was like, when is it over, too? Is it just over when the last bus is done? When everyone's <laughs> Yeah, so that didn't make sense to me. And also, I don't. it just wasn't shot well because I had trouble just following it, just just watching it. Like, who am I watching now? Which bus is it? It's like... It, I, I never knew who. Yeah, it was... It was there was not one moment in yeah, that scene that... Yeah, exactly. I, I never knew. And they had, th luckily, they had to tell you, okay, well, he's in third place now. Now he's trying to go for second place. It's a good thing you told me because I couldn't follow it. It was too confusing. Yeah uh less is more we always say this as stupid as it is to be on a tractor like you said it makes sense in a small town we got nothing to do let's go on these tractors play some chicken chuck jumped way too early i think though in that original film you had plenty of time to just turn left or right man i turn turn the wheel you're going slow as hell on these tractors i mean i know we got that song blasting of oh god i'm gonna kill myself for not knowing the name of this song I'm holding out, holding for, out a for a hero. hero. That's it. I'm, I'm, it's just like the hero he's song. He's got to be strong and he's got to right. be so hold it. And we'll play this song 20 times. <laughs> yeah, so holding out for a hero definitely helps build up the intensity of that scene. Because without it, it's just two guys going slow as shit on a tractor. Which it's actually is ridiculous. It's a good song choice. Like, you're 100% right. It is a good song choice. It elevates yeah. this nonsense no, scene. You need it because otherwise it doesn't really work. Because it's stupid, but it's not as stupid as this bus thing, which, yeah, people are going to die. I'm pretty sure people did die, because how do you not die doing that? That That's insanely dangerous. They in, they outlawed freaking dancing. They should just outlaw these teens driving, because this is what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> they're driving around these figure eights and fucking buses and trying to kill each other. It's It was insane, yeah. and I don't know, man. Yeah, hold, give me tractors holding out for Hero any day. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that's the weird thing about the original Footloose is you looking at these scenes on their own, like the angry dancing scene, the tractor <laughs> scene. This is, it's ridiculous, but it works. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on who you're at. <laughs> you, you may disagree. But uh, it, more or less, like, it's so simple and straightforward. And when, like, okay, if a tractor gets knocked over, I heard that Ren kid was out there. So, like, when things start happening, it feels like, you know, causation and correlation. Mm-hmm. We didn't have problems before Ren showed up. And, you know, like, yeah, you did, but you just weren't paying attention. But I don't know. Like, it's so hard to follow why anyone's mad at Ren at, at this point. Because, like, it's Chuck's dad's raceway. So, like, if there's a bus fire, I don't even remember that, like, being brought up. I don't think it was mentioned later ever again. No. Which is, like, the tractor kind of makes sense because, like, I heard right. y'all kids got in trouble. You know, like, okay, I get why that scene's there because, one, it's a one-on-one fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're trying to take my girl? It's me and you. I heard you're chicken. And, you know, there's no currency for this in Ren's world back in, like, Chicago. But there's currency in this town to engage this game of chicken. Because, like, if he doesn't, you know, he may not be able to sort of recover and have a good senior year. In this remake, it's like, what, the f- what is wrong with <laughs> you? No. I'm good. What What does it matter if he doesn't? He's on the football team. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, he can't just be like, guys, I wasn't going to do, like, I've never, I'm just be like, I never drove a bus before. I don't even understand. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. But kind of getting back to Chuck, I mean, there's only really a few things you got to know about Chuck. And uh, in the original, more so, he's dumb as a box of rocks. He's just a big dumb dumb. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Bacon's kind of very easily able to sort of, you know, start dating his girlfriend. She's got more independence and agency. So it's, so, I believe her when she's like, Chuck doesn't know me. Um and, you know, the, really the only thing we need Chuck for after that is, unfortunately, the uh, the domestic violence scene behind the school bleachers where, like, he he's still trying to cling on to uh, to Ariel and she's over it. So he lashes out. I treated you good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you didn't because I just saw you beat her up. Um, that seems more intense in the original, yeah. but I would say the remake makes it worse by doubling <laughs> down on the slap and uh the only other thing chuck's really good for is kind of that fight at the end of both Mm -hmm. films the fight the original movie the fight should feel way dumber than it is in the remake somehow they did more and made it dumb i i kind of miss kevin bacon showing up super late and throwing a yeah it's like karate bacon all of a sudden it's like hey now (laughs) what you know in in this remake it's Again, like a lot of things in this remake, it got muddy. You know, the girls are now fighting some random yeah. guy. And then, you know, Willard's breaking glass. I don't know. People are punching. It just, it was confusing and muddy. And um, then that one, the adult yeah. came in and threw a punch. <laughs> hey, play fair. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, bro. You had an unsanctioned dance at your place of business and you like assaulted <laughs> minors on your property. Like, you don't think that's going to come back to harm you like the guy's dad owns a whole raceway i think they got money to like sue like it just again it was confusing i'm not even really leaning towards any chuck because it's such a minor Mm -hmm. character i just think that like again the remake is trying to do too much just keep it simple you know there's another way to do a game of chicken you know you don't need a bus you know they could have done something with i mean this sounds dumb you could have done something like a four-wheeler you know why why are you doing a bus you know like Simple, simple. Keep it simple. 
The original Chuck keeps it simple because he's dumb. The remake Chuck, they're trying to make him too much of a villain. And it, look, bro, I don't need you, you know, I don't need like implied rape. I don't <laughs> need, you know, I don't need bus explosions. I just need, he doesn't like that guy. Maybe he throws a punch at him every once in a while. We, it's, it's the LaRusso effect. <laughs> like, just kind of kick him every <laughs> once in a while. And like, we're, we're good, man. Like, I just, I didn't like how much they were trying to do. Yeah. Ultimately, for Chuck, it comes down to the chicken scene versus the figure eight racing scene. That, that's what I'm really going to focus on. So, I don't know. That stupid chicken scene somehow <laughs> makes a lot more sense and is just better than what they did in the remake. So, I'm just going to give points to the original for it, that. It was so easy to do, though. Like, they just tried too hard. Like, go out mudding somewhere, you know, like, and just say... I don't know, like, towards, like, some incline or, you know, some, like, steep inclines. Like, yeah, if you turn your account, you know, like, there's so many other things you mm-hmm. could do besides trying to explain to me uh, a race format. I don't care. Um, maybe there's a reference point for that in the South, like, or, or the Midwest. I, I don't know. So I don't care. <laughs> and, like, it's very easy for me. Tractor, that guy's got one. Drive at mm-hmm. him. I'm kind of dumb, but... You got it. Like, I understand. He he beats him out on a day. It's one-on-one. Yeah. So That's... there's no debate about who won. Uh, everyone being on fire doesn't <sighs> feel to me like Ren won. You know, it just feels like they're all lucky to be alive. Yeah. Just a strange choice. But like you said, uh, the chicken scene, I, somehow <laughs> the original did it better. Yeah. And the choice to not make it one-on-one in the remake, I don't understand that either. So I, I, didn't, I didn't get yeah. it. I didn't get it. Even... even uh, the number of people in the fight in the remake, I'm, I'm sure it was the same amount, kind of, but, like, it felt like more because that scene was longer. Yeah. That scene did not need to be longer. Honestly, in both films, the scene probably doesn't need to be there at all. But, you know, whatever, one last, you know, kind of hurdle, yeah. and we get past it. Moving past Chuck, there's kind of two ways we could approach this. Um, I think I'd rather do sort of the first one I'm thinking of, which is talking about the mom and uncle swap. Okay. We also have to talk about Willard, yeah. but... Even... We could talk about the mom and Uncle Swap. Sure. That makes sense. All right, so, like we said in the original, Ren moves there with his mom. That's Ethel McCormick, portrayed by Francis Lee McCain. In the remake, he doesn't have his mom. Instead, he moves in with his uncle and aunt, so I guess I'll just talk about both of them. It's Ray McKinnon as the uncle and Kim Dickens as the aunt. And I don't do we want to just he has an uncle and an aunt in the original. I don't see their names here. We can at least we can uh, if you don't see the name. Let's I don't see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate to do this because uh, you know I always like to respect sort of the work that goes in, but these are extreme side characters. If you care to, uh, you can find out who they are on IMDb. Yeah, let me try to find the uncle here. Yeah, I don't even know if we need to get the aunt. I barely remember her in the original. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she's needed. Uh, and then the uncle and aunt in the original are Arthur Rosenberg, who plays Uncle Wes, and Lynn Marta, who plays Aunt Lulu. Okay. So, like we said, the mom's not in the remake. She's sort of swapped out for the uncle and aunt in the remake. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, she's short. <laughs> she swapped out for the uncle and aunt. Uh, what did you think about that decision to get rid of the mom? Again, I didn't like it in this sense. Um, it overcomplicates things. It's a very straightforward story. 
I think maybe it's a sign of the times, like the idea of like a single mother having to move out to the city and get help from her family. I don't know. It's just simple enough, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, got it. And we get some good scenes with the mom. I would say she's not doing a ton in the movie, but like she's also not distracting us from the central point of the film is that Ren is a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. That's that's all this movie's about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all it's about. And you know, in this remake, you know, your dead beat dad. Uh, your mom died of leukemia, and and it sort of steps on the great job that the uncle does in this remake. I think he's a very strong character, mm-hmm. and I like how supportive he is throughout the film. But again, that does ultimately weaken the Ren character because in the original, he doesn't have this support. Right. The uncle is another sort of a headwind for him. It's a problem. For instance, in in the one scene when um, Ren's trying to get the petitions, and which is kind of really screwed up. Somebody throws a brick through the like the, the young daughter's room, and he's like, "Don't, don't you see? Have you done enough yet? Why don't you just stop?" Like, that's a problem. It's like, okay, like now Rin, who this isn't his fault that a brick went through mm-hmm. the window, but you know he has to internalize that. Like that's that's an issue, and it's something for Rin to fight against. But for the uncle to kind of come in and save him multiple times in the remake, there's less reason for Rin to have kind of the attitude mm-hmm. that he has yeah. that we see in the original. Like, the attitude makes sense because everyone's being a complete dick. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, that scene where the uncle's like, I can't replace your daddy. You know, like, the uncle's being like, you can't replace my daddy. He's like, yeah, you can't. Like, yeah, some of that teen angst. Let's keep that energy. Um, the uncle in the remake is super supportive. The aunt, who really shouldn't be there either, <laughs> but she gets, a, she gets a scene where she signs a petition. I thought that was a frivolous waste of time scene. <laughs> But, you know, again, that's just more support there. And, again, that undermines the entire point of this, which is that, yes, Ren's mom backs him up, but, like, she's also an outsider. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't have the power to stop things from happening to him. You know, it it helps the movie. And I'm not distracted by asking where his parents are in, uh, in the original film. Like, I know where his mom is, but I know why she can't really step in in right. a lot of these situations yeah that's a good point that the mom's really the only adult who kind of supports him in the original but she's an outsider so she doesn't really have the the pull that like the uncle and the aunt do in the remake because this is where they're from and mm-hmm. um yeah just splitting up pretty much yeah everything that the mom did in the original split up between the two of them more the uncle absolutely and, uh, yeah, the only time he talks to the aunt is when he kind of gives the same speech he gave to his mom in the original and was like, you know, I did stuff for my dad and he did, he left still, so I'm going to do this one for me, you know, Mick, it's a great scene in the original, um, one of those tender moments, one of those few tender moments it has, um, it sort of reinforces the relationship between Ren and his mom, because we don't see her too much in the original film, but he gets to have this moment, um, where he's just talking about his dad, we don't really know all the details there but you know he's telling his mom here that he still has a chip on his shoulder about it and he doesn't want to kind of keep living life that way so he's not gonna try to always please other people anymore he's gonna try to do stuff for himself so i thought that made a lot of sense that oh i'm gonna say this to my mom to tell it to your aunt who hasn't really been in the movie at all it might have made more sense if he told to his uncle because his uncle had been the support the whole time but his aunt hadn't really been a factor until that point so it didn't really was that supposed to force their relationship it's like i don't know why he told her instead of his uncle maybe they just thought 
should be telling a woman this i don't know but uh she was definitely a pointless character easily could have just been the uncle who did that i like what he did in the remake um just that Mm -hmm. support system but like you said it does weaken ren because he does have the support system behind him so i'll i'll say he did a good job in the remake but i having that uncle to rebel against and to having only your mom as your support i think that works for me more right the the uncle being sort of a placeholder for just another problem works better than the uncle being like the support system and the other thing is he's too reasonable for the plot like he's not he's very fair about mm-hmm. everything that's happening like he defends him like him and uh Shaw Moore get into it because Shaw Moore is like your uh, nephew's a bad influence on my daughter he's like well maybe it's the other way around partner I don't know, and, and like you mentioned with the aunt scene, you don't need that scene because you do that scene again with the reverend. Yeah, you know, that's true. Yo, know, Rev, it was, it was wicked. It was wicked hard. <laughs> mom died of, leuke- died of leukemia, bro. And it's just like, okay, like these two are relating. So, like you mentioned, the aunt who has not been in the film. Yeah. Like, you know, other than her intro, like her picking up a clipboard and adding another signature to a petition that already had enough signatures. I, will you have my book? Like, I don't <laughs> care. You know, I, I just felt like, again, th- doubling back, I understand that he's had tragedy in his life. I understand that the Reverend had tragedy in his life. And that that's good. That's somewhere for them to connect. But for him to explain it to a character who won't be back in the movie makes zero sense. You know? I, like you mentioned, I like the uncle. I just don't think that the direction they went made sense for the mm-hmm. film. So, uh, unfortunately, it's a good character that actually becomes a bad character because he's not helping progress the plot sort of properly. Um, again, most of this needs to rely on Ren and us understanding him and liking him and stuff like that. And he is kind of being like a little whiny jerk because... Uh, <laughs> People are, people are helping him, you know? Yeah. So, like, he does just have a Yankee attitude, as it were. So, I, I don't know. The mom in the original doesn't do much, but she's a backboard for uh, soft moments. And, you know, her inability to help is the same thing as not having her there at all. So, like, you'd rather have her there without you asking questions about his parents and letting him sort of independently solve his problems mm-hmm. versus getting rid of both the parents and then having to then... Again, it's just like it's just like that race. Now you got to explain where's dad is, where's mom is, what happened. Like it's it's too much. It's a little too much. Yeah, just it just yeah. Thinking about it now, it's like the original. Like he has his mom, but he doesn't really rely on her too much. He's sort of more independent. Same thing with Ariel. She's a little more independent. Doesn't go to her parents after she gets beat. But like in the remake, Rent's a little more reliant on his uncle. Ariel's a lot goes to her parents after she gets beat. So yeah, they're definitely less independent. They're two lead characters, the love interests, for sure. I don't really have anything else to add to that, so maybe we should just get into our last characters. Sure. Okay. Oh, did we want to talk about that Boston accent too? Because we never talked about that. I mean, we could just fucking just ignore it. <laughs> let's try to talk about it like in our rap. Okay. You know? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's go on to. Uh, I'm gonna kind of put them together. I know Willard's a little more important, but uh, we have Willard Hewitt portrayed by Chris Penn and Miles Teller. And I'll just throw her in there. His girlfriend, Rusty, portrayed by Sarah Jessica Parker. 
in the original and Zaya Colon in the remake. Alright, we're going to start talking about Willard, I'm sure. Willard, our uh, seemingly tough guy, tough cowboy, who uh, immediately becomes friends <laughs> with yeah. this guy from out of town. So he becomes immediate friends with Ren, no questions asked, and, well, he can't dance, we know that. This is one of those castings where I was like, Miles Tyler looks ridiculously like Chris Penn. I don't know, did you see that at all? Like, I thought... Yeah, he... He really pulled pulled off sort of the the look of yeah. Willard. Follow me, sure. Dan. Uh, yeah, he he really pulled off the look of uh of Crispin, and also his accent work is so much better than our lead <laughs> that it, it's it's insane. Like, my, I don't know. I think he kind of nailed it. I think Crispin gave me more of that sort of length, and I, I believed him a little bit more as a southerner. But Miles Teller does a good job with with this and uh. His accent, unlike our lead, is not distracting. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Miles is one of the stronger performances in the remake for sure. I think, I think I'm a little more sold on his like country boy kind of mm-hmm. behavior. I don't, I just see more of a cowboy from him than I do from Chris Penn, probably because I've seen Chris Penn in other movies. Uh, sure. But uh, I think he did a really good job. He seemed to like have a lot of fun with his character, and he really captured uh, what Willard was about in that original film. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he did a pretty good job and yeah that accent was spot on <laughs> spot on it wasn't a, a wicked wicked uh that what was up with the i don't know accent, i didn't notice it at first too because it it sort of came and went uh is that just me like no i <laughs> i thought the same thing because when he first got introduced i didn't i don't remember being like okay he's got this boston yeah. accent i just kind of remember him being there so yeah maybe it did come and go like and it felt like as the movie progressed it like, it <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I wasn't really sure. It was a bad choice. Let's put it this way. Why isn't he just from Chicago? I don't know. I think it might be because the actor is from Boston. So yeah, he is. And I was surprised too, because yeah, he grew up in Boston through high school. So, you know, obviously plenty of time to develop a Boston accent, but I don't know for me, it's, it, it it didn't seem natural, didn't you know. I know a lot of a lot true. of movies have problems with Boston accents, um, but I, for me, it just sounded inconsistent. Like he, it would talk just like kind of regular, just regular East Coast, and then all of a sudden, I got now I got to go to the car. What? Where? What happened to his R? <laughs> it just <laughs> starts dropping his R's out of nowhere. I was like, what? What? Yeah, I arranged to do it in my car. It was like, what? What? What is? <laughs> what is happening here? So I don't know what happened exactly but it wasn't obviously there was a problem with it because i noticed it and if it was done right i wouldn't have noticed it i'll just say that, that um i didn't thing, uh, yeah right? I, I researched him just to make sure i was like oh this guy is from boston so he he knows how to do it and i guess was raised with it but i don't know for some reason it just i it sounded like it was coming and going to me yeah yeah like uh remind me there was like uh i forget all the actors that were in it. i think uh Chris Evans or something, but like there was a, a Super Bowl commercial recently. Right, there. it was like a bunch of people from Boston, and like like that to me felt like okay, yeah, those are Boston accents. This one, it's so strange because like I know a Boston accent, right. you know, us being on the East Coast, so it was just so weird that he felt it didn't ring true to either one of us. So I think it's a problem with the movie, and not a problem with it is a problem with the movie accent, and it's not like us. I don't know if he like got really good at not. Speaking of a Boston accent and was trying to lean right. back into it, but 
you're right. It was very inconsistent. And there were times in the movie where I didn't even know if he had a Boston accent yeah. either. So, yeah, I, I think that assessment is very spot on. Yeah. So that was a weird choice. Another reason why Kevin Bacon's just like, okay, yeah, Chicago, sure. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Yeah. And if he yeah. can do uh, a non Boston accent, like, why have his character be from Boston? It's just another more questions right. that we shouldn't really be asking. But that's we're already right. we've talked about Ren enough. Let's go to Willard here. Good old Willard. Yeah, so it's not much different with the character, you know, true friend right. to Ren. He's on the football team in the remake as opposed to the gymnastics team. Doesn't really do anything to his character though. Still gets drunk, still gets into fights, still yeah. learns how to dance to the same song <laughs> in both movies. Yeah. I, I think I think he gets to sort of the kind of cuter moment with the Barbie speaker and stuff like that. And uh, it's well done. This is one of the scenes where I will say uh, they kind of play on the heartstrings a little bit with the, the kids and him dancing and stuff like that. I think it's well done for what they were trying to pull off. So Miles Teller, to your point, is by far so far, in my opinion, the one kind of pulling his role mm-hmm. off the best. Yeah. I, I don't feel distracted. I feel like it's in the, the style of uh, the original film. But I think he brings enough of his own charm to yeah. it. To your point, like, uh, like, uh, you, like you really did feel that uh, southern, southern thing. I guess I felt more like small town from Chris Penn, but I'm probably not as familiar with his work as you are. So you, you I think you were able to pick up those differences. But yeah, Miles Teller. I mean, like, spot on, dude. It was yeah, great. it was great. Uh, he and, he looked like he was having fun. I was having fun um, when he was on the screen. One of the few characters yeah. I wasn't rolling my eyes at. So, um, no, he did a really good job. Um, yeah, nothing he did was like, well, why did they do that to his character? Right. Uh, they were very true to his character, and he gave an excellent portrayal of it, and I don't have really any complaints about what he, yeah. what he did. I also think uh, this is a minor character, so I won't spend too much time on it, but I think also the rusty character gets a little bit of elevation in right. this film, uh, in the remake. I think that's just purely off of screen time because Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, it's whatever. She feels like she's doing a better job with the Ariel character, with like Laurie Singer mm-hmm. scenes, than she is with Willard. Right. Like, I can't even really think of the times her and Willard were together besides like the fights. Right. Whereas like Zia Colon, she really plays, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, Hick. Like she really, uh, she has a lot of very good comedic moments in the movie that are easy to kind of dismiss. But uh, I think that she really elevated the Rusty character too. And I think it's probably because they're just two strong actors that sort of knew how to support each other in the film. So I actually preferred the Rusty in the remake as well. Yeah, she's a little bit of a stronger character. Um, In the bar fight, she breaks a bottle over the guy's head too. um, That was trying to like, get with her so it's like okay damn and then i'm pretty sure she also helps with that fight at the end yeah she kicks that guy's yeah. ass so pretty, um pretty easily pretty strong character um like physically <laughs> as well as yeah. yeah uh but uh yeah she's a very minor character in both films I just, it's just a noteworthy character just because it is sarah jessica parker who portrayed her in the original right. so they probably right. gave her a little bit more to do in the remake um she does um she does show a little bit of a backbone against Ariel's rebelling um, in the opening or when we first meet Chuck, she gets into his car 
and Chuck's just driving around the track and Ariel's like hanging out the window, like her ass is on the window seat and just waving a flag. And then uh, Rusty just like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. It's really reckless and he shouldn't be letting you do that. And so it's like, okay, she's got a little bit of a spunk here, but then uh, immediately just like, oh, I forgive you. So I was like, oh, well, why, why do that with the character? She's going to forgive her like immediately and then they're never going to really butt heads the rest of the film. So some questionable choices, but she didn't really do anything to like oh they shouldn't have done that with her character just because yeah. she is such a minor I, character in the original I, I really do think that sarah jessica parker had a better sort of like pushback against ariel in um in the film and you know ultimately they were friends and it was resolved but like she stood her ground a little bit better than uh the zaya colon portrayal but what i think zaya did better than sarah jessica parker was i believed her relationship with with uh willard mm. more in the remake and I think for what the movie kind of needs, I would take that over yeah. the Ariel friendship because I feel like Ariel, in a weird way, like isn't everyone a minor character in this <laughs> film? In a but, weird way, no, yeah. Like like you mentioned, um, it's a it's a side character, but notable one, Sarah Jessica Parker, who she is, and notable here because I think this actress did a very good job, Zia Cohen, with uh, making the most out of this very small role. Yeah. So. Um some good characters <laughs> in the remake there <laughs> i don't really have any other characters in the movies i want to talk about i mean you said everybody yeah. else is a minor character because i think we know who the main character in these movies <laughs> is reggie that's the dancing <laughs> that's what we're here for so we could talk about the music yep. and dancing if you're done with characters oh yeah i think we hit every character we need to talk about all right the music and dancing kind of go hand in hand i guess we'll just start with the opening uh because you already talked about sure. that so like you said the original opens up we just see a bunch of feet kind of dancing on the floor no context just just footloose blasting kenny kenny loggins you got what footloose here's your footloose you see dancing you hear the theme song that's gonna play several times in the movie this is what footloose is yep. you know what you're in for in the remake um we do get similar scene we do see a bunch of feet dancing but it actually works with the story because it's like you said it's that uh the kids the night they die what do you think i guess about just using the footloose theme kind of again i know it's footloose and it's sort of right. hard to separate the theme song so it's... to speak but what do you think about just let's just do footloose kind of again let's just maybe you know give it a little bit of a new remix or something but they still used footloose pretty much yeah, I mean, it's, it's Footloose, but there's, like, a DJ over top yeah. of it as, like, you get the screen crawl MTV films and all that stuff. I actually hate <laughs> it. I'll just, I'll just say it. Like, uh, in the original film, it's goofy, you know? It's it's mm -hmm. very 80s. Like, it feels like this could have just been, like, a music video that they threw in front of a movie. What makes it work is that time yeah. capsule of the feet have, like, a reference point like the uh whether it's the foot warmers the types of shoes the type of clothing so um it has nothing to do with the movie so I, i'm not trying to defend it too hard but it's sort of an iconic opening and it works in the sense that really it just lets the song be the star because in a lot of ways that song especially for a movie theme as it were it, it's a hot song mm -hmm. you know but it's a hot song in 1984 it's a fun song you know drunk at karaoke <laughs> or an 80s night it is not a song that in 2006, me and all my friends were going absolutely apeshit for at a kegger. So I, I just, okay, cool, context, but 
why? <laughs> it's it's not the right song. They should have done something different. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if you're gonna do the country music thing that they, they did throughout, it should have been like a line dance with a country version of the mm-hmm. song. I would have forgiven that, but this was just Kenny Loggins' Footloose with a bit of a DJ mm-hmm. over top of it, and it contextually doesn't make right. sense, even though you're trying to contextualize yeah. it. Yeah, it was confusing for me because. I'm like, is this taking place in the 80s? When does this take place? It wasn't until Ren took out an iPod, yeah, that I was like, okay, this yeah. is not in the 80s. Like, I was unsure up to that point. So, yeah, there's not going to be kids in, I'm going to say this film was filmed in 2011, but it takes place like three or five years before that. So, yeah, around 2006, like you said. Yeah, they're not going to be going nuts over Footloose at some kegger. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely absurd, but... In 1984, that makes sense. Yeah, man, Kenny Loggins was a shit. Did you see Top Gun? <laughs> that, that, yeah, exactly. He did fucking Danger Zone, dude. <laughs> this guy's doing Footloose. Of course the kids are going to dance to that in 1984. So, yeah, I didn't like that we're just going to do the same music for, like, a lot of the movie. Um, we'll get to yeah, it just... as we get to the other dance scenes, but they just used the same stuff and just gave it a it... little new polish or something. To your point, like... Since we didn't know if they were going to do the setting of the 1980s, they really should have. Um, there was no reason. That probably would have sucked a little bit, too. But uh, there was no reason to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, why Footloose when you have a few scenes later where you're dancing to David Banner? So, like, where's the consistency? Right. Like, why, like, these kids are going out of their way to, like, get underground street music to play in the parking lots. Why are they losing their shit? Like, full-on dance numbers are footloose on this, like, sort of elevated kind of, like, stage thing at this kegger. And you see the solo cups and stuff like that. And it's like, again, I understand the context and what you're trying to do. A hard pass on this. It's not the way they should have started the film. No. At a certain point, you, you just have to define your own film. And I think that this didn't make sense and they shouldn't have done yeah. it. Yeah. So that was one dance sequence that was just... Yep. Yeah, it didn't work for me in the remake. What are some of the other ones? Um, you had, you'd mentioned uh, when they went go to the bar. We could talk mm-hmm. about that one. So in the original, they go to the bar, and again, we hear Footloose. <laughs> Got to get their money's worth on this Kenny Loggins song. But in the remake, we do hear country music, like you mentioned. And that right. makes sense. <laughs> Contextually, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, because we're out in Beaumont, wherever. It's Georgia in the remake. And... Yeah, of course they're going to be listening to country line dancing. And of course, sure. and then it makes a lot more sense that everybody would know it because when it comes to line dancing, people know the moves. They're not just going to randomly know how to dance footloose in the middle of a kegger. But yeah, a dancing to country music and, and doing country line dancing. Yeah, that makes sense. People would know how to do that. So this is what I feel like the movie should have done more of. Just kind of, you know, go its right. own path, forge its own path. And oh, I'm not a big country music guy. I was like, oh, God, I hate this. But it makes sense. And that was a good decision to not do the Footloose song again. <laughs> it was a good decision. And, you know, there's different times where they, they do country remakes of certain songs like that. Holding Out for a Hero song we were talking about. They use that with an acoustic set at mm, one point yeah, right. uh, to kind of, as atmosphere. And um, do that. Just do that. Because, like, if they had opened that kegger as it were with a country line dance i wouldn't be complaining i would just be like okay like you mentioned do we love country music no but like 
I know that people, like you mentioned, no line dances. So what? I wouldn't have a lot of questions, but I got questions about 80s music in 2010. Just a lot of questions, really. Yeah. But. Yeah, he plays a lot of 80s music in the remake. He finds his, I guess, his uncle's records, blasting some choir riot. It's it's like, yeah. All right. It's like, I get it. it The the original was made in the 80s, but we're, we have so many 80s references. It's like, I don't know if kids in high school really give a shit about the 80s man it's like it just, isn't it weird that like he's getting pulled over listening to like quiet yeah right and i can't do his accent <laughs> but like what is my quiet right a little too too loud for you and it's just like okay like are is he getting in trouble because it's just music or is it like because it's quiet right <laughs> i don't I, I, yeah like like i could see if he was playing something more yeah. modern and then being like hey cut the shit but like I feel like an older kind of cop would be like, yeah, hey, quite right. Hey, kid, why don't you turn it down? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I like that song, too. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into the morality because the problem in the original film is that, isn't that there's music per mm-hmm. se. It's that they've interpreted the music of the time right. to be sort of demonic, exactly. as it were. Yeah, so it doesn't work when you're playing music that's, like, almost, well, was this 1984? Yes, it's over 25 years old at this point. And it's like, whoa, these kids these days listening to this mid-80s music, they're out of control. It's like, That's not what they were doing in the original film. They were rebelling against the music that their parents grew up with by listening to their own music. But right. now they're listening to their music their parents did sometimes. Right. So we're, but, what are they rebelling against? I, It's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing because ultimately... And I think it goes back to the central problem of this movie because we emphasize the depths more than the actual... In the original film, it's not about... I mean, it is about the depths. That Mm -hmm. leads to this overreaction. But really, most of it is about the type of music. So, um, like the scene that we get in the original film, and I don't think it's in a remake, speaking of the father-daughter bond we talked about earlier, where he's listening to like Bach or something like that. And she's like, what... Well, why is this okay? Well, it doesn't excite the soul. It doesn't make people fornicate, you know? So music is good. It's just not this right, music. Right, right, right. In, in this bizarro 2011 universe, music <laughs> is bad. It, because you're going to do, I don't know, you're going to crash horrifically. It's not even even about fornication. It's like, those kids died five years ago, and we just, no, no more music. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's pretty when you th- when you say it out loud like parents in 2011 mad that their kids are dancing to Kenny Loggins <laughs> at parties. It, it's it's an absurd sentence to say out loud. So, yeah, using that old 80s music and just, you know, like I said, just putting a little polish on it, maybe having someone new sing it, but you're still pretty much playing the same song from the 84 movie. I, it doesn't work. I don't know cuz like there was all kinds of like weird sort of like dance moments in the, that time frame. Um, I would argue that sort of what they're doing with the David Banner thing at one point is kind of like, a, I forget exactly what it was called. It, there was like a crump. There was a type of like sort of West Coast based dance based off this music. So if they did something with like maybe their country roots, which is like, oh, this is, you know, I hate, I hate country roots. <laughs> but like if you did almost like a honky tonk, badonka type of thing. <laughs> I, I, I know. I hate that I even had to reference that. But if, you, if, if that's what it was, right, they're like, they're taking the music that we like and they're mixing it with this music that we don't like and they're making it bad and it's causing the kids to go crazy. That works better than, 
there goes that kid listening to rat <laughs> in his in his Volkswagen. Like, what? Come on, guys. Feel bad for the kid. The guy has to listen to a rat in a Volkswagen for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, you're right. It, it's confusing. And um like I'm trying to think of other sort of dance moments we can reference besides the the end. I feel like there's really only like three or four dance numbers in this remake, yeah. right? There's uh there's the footloose opening, which as we know in the original has nothing to do with the film. There's the bar scene that you're talking about. There's that sort of uh David Banner scene that we talked about that has no real equivalent. Mm-hmm. I guess it was when they were you know, the jukebox sort of dancing scene, which again, that scene works in the original because those kids can't really dance. <laughs> yeah. they, they're bot they're bot, yeah. you know, moving around. So I'm convinced that they have never danced before. They just, you know, they're just moving their bodies however they see mm-hmm. fit. So when we get to sort of our finale, I guess we might as well talk about that big dance. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Don't forget about the training scene oh. with Willard. Oh, yeah. So then you understand why we have to train Willard, you know, because I'm not seeing people doing backflips and, you mm-hmm. know, you know, serving people up <laughs> <laughs> in, in the original. Um, but yeah, so what are your thoughts on that Willard dance sequence? So again, we're using the same music pretty much that we used in the 84 film. They try to change it a little bit by having the little girl sing. Uh, yeah. I know you said it like, pulled the heartstrings a little bit. I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> I did not like it at all. I don't know. Um, you know, let's use the same. I thought it was cheap. Yeah, it, it was cheap. Thought, and it's I... like, these little girls, they don't, nobody likes this song. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to have these little kids sing this song. I don't know. I didn't buy it. Like, again, just, like, why are we using the same music? Why can't we do something yeah. that the kids would actually like? Like, in 84, this was a big song. So, yeah, they're going to be listening to it. In 2011, is he? Is this really how he's gonna learn how to dance to modern music by listening to this old 80s pop song? They would have been playing like Lady Gaga. Yeah, it's like, like, uh, I mean, were were you also confused because I, I I was kind of tense watching that because I was worried that because the uncle was such a strong character, I thought he's gonna show up in some capacity because they're more or less breaking the law and like we had that scene in the original film where like the girls had like the brick come through the window i thought there was going to be kind of like this moment where like oh you're bringing this into my house and it's just not there no i I forgot about that um when he was sort of learning how to dance with the the little girls no that that that's interesting the song was too good reggie i I wasn't scared at all i was let's let's hear for the boy let's let's hear it um let's hear for my man (laughs) no it was i mean it was fine what they did in the remake i just the decision to use the exact same song, but you just have little girls singing over it sometimes. I don't know. It, it, it felt weak. Like, they're yeah. just like, hey, just like the original, huh? No, no. I'll just watch the fucking original, man. Give me something new here. Right, right. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, you know, it. I think they probably knew that uh, Miles Teller was... Uh, was doing really well for them in this film, and I think they just wanted to give him more, yeah, more time. That's why out. I didn't hate it but so much, a, probably, is because Miles was doing yeah. a fine job. It's a long sequence, yeah, man. It's, it's long. a really long sequence. I don't know, man. It, like you mentioned, it's just not it's not different enough, or really different at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure. Yeah, what... Yeah, I don't know why they did yeah. that because they do have dance sequences that are different. Let's go to the angry mm-hmm. dance. 
Let's talk about Ren's Angry Dance. Yes. Um, I yes. don't even know. Do you know the song that plays in the original? Because I don't know. Never. Never by um, Australian by rock Mo- band Moving Pictures. How does that go? I don't even know. I I wasn't familiar with the song when I heard it. Um, yeah, just play it a little bit. Skip, skip, skip. Yeah, generic yeah, 80s. Yeah, generic 80s metal. Okay. All right. All yeah. Right. So, like we said, Ren, not knowing, like I said in my synopsis, Ren, not knowing how to deal with all this frustration and anger, deals with it the only way he can, and that is to dance, to dance hard. So he's dancing to Never by Moving Pictures in the original, and he's dancing to a little bit of White Stripes, Catch Hell Blues, a song I actually really like in the remake. Mm-hmm. So here's an example where you pretty much have the same thing happening, but at least they changed the music and updated it, and right. they updated the choreography to... They made it a little more angry, too, because he was breaking a lot more yeah. shit in that remake. So they didn't. Yeah. They don't always have to borrow or steal outright from the original movie. <laughs> they can sort of find their own footing, but I don't right. know why they don't so, all the time. To your point, the diner scene, we've updated the music. The angry scene, we've up, updated mm-hmm. the music. And we've updated the choreography, too. Right. Um, I purely as like an 80s nostalgia thing. I like the angry dance scene in the original. <laughs> um because, like we mentioned before, it is absurd. It's, it's absolutely absurd. And, like, it's clearly a stunt double. <laughs> yeah. But he can't see his face and it's just a silhouette. That's not Kevin Bacon, kids. <laughs> I don't know where the uneven bars came from in that warehouse. <laughs> but, like, uh, I think what works for that scene is that Kevin Bacon's sort of star power right. there. Like, it's a patently absurd thing that's happening. But, like, given all the tension that we've seen with his family with people in town and stuff like that. They do the montages uh, in both films. They do all the flashbacks. We're like 30 minutes into the the original film, and they're already showing us all these flashbacks and montage forms. It's like, what? What? We're barely in the movie here. And and it's already a flimsy plot, so like this is most of what already happened. I hate, hate it in the uh, remake, though. The amount of... Like, just, just do the dance. I don't need the... Mr. Dumbart, more like Mr. That, Doofbag. Yeah, that was... Yeah, tell, can't tell me. You don't own me, man. It's very I'm Anakin like, Skywalker right. of him to yeah. do that. He's jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a weak point. Um, yeah. But I think... I guess his dance just seemed a little more believable to me. It was much more realistic. Yeah, just because he incorporated like the breaking of everything in that warehouse. So you got a little more of that angst in there instead of just the straight up dance that Kevin Bacon was doing. Yeah, the the original one is uh, it's just it's a time yeah. capsule. It's such a you know it would never work outside of that nah. point in time. It's just it's so ridiculous. It, like he's got his shirt on, he has to take it off, and he's oh. he's hitting like walls, man, like so hard, and he's got so much frustration. He doesn't know how to get it out, man. It's, <sighs> it's yeah, it's and then he just. <laughs> Leaps through the air. It's pretty ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I'm talking shit. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, to your point, I think that the star power isn't there for me, but even me being a a complete Kevin Bacon sort of sycophant, um, I appreciated the updated choreography because it made more sense. It just looked more realistic. It it, it was a nice interpretation of that original scene. It's like, if you have to do it, because you're going to have to, if it's not there, everyone's going to be like, Hey, why did they take that out of the Footloose movie? But they did it. They did it well. What are the stronger, I guess, sort of interpretations of what was done in the original film? Sure. And then I guess that just leaves us with the dance. 
Yeah. More yeah. footloose, if you will. Cut loose. Whoa, Milo. <laughs> um, again, just back. like get back. He shows up, Ren in the remake, wearing the exact same outfit that he wore in the original. I know, I yeah. get like let's hey, another nod to the original, huh? Like I get it. <laughs> I'm already hundred plus minutes into this movie i know you've done it the right. whole time you don't need to give me another freaking easter egg i guess you can call it. it's an easter egg if it's right shoved in your yeah. face um so yeah i don't know and then they're doing the a lot of the same dances there are some new dances at the end but they sure. did a lot of the same dances too especially that last one like one guy kind of yeah one guy kind of break dances yeah. at one point you know here's here's my thing about this uh sequence and I, I was kind of watching on my phone earlier so i had like the amazon like x-ray thing up and it had some okay. trivia oh, and cool. stuff like that i just think it the scene looks better in the original mm-hmm. film like the the way the glitter hits the lighting and stuff like that again it is peak 80s <laughs> uh iconography there but like i don't know it just it felt clean and coherent to me apparently when they were trying to do the glitter uh or the confetti at the end in this remake, they had some real issues oh. with actually doing it. Like, apparently, um, whatever they had at first, the confetti just fell like lead. Oh, jeez. So, so they had to get, like, more, like, a different type of confetti, and then they didn't have enough. So, like, they had to keep vacuuming it up and reusing it. And by the, It took them 20 takes, oh, apparently, geez. to get that scene. And I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't think that we built Ren up enough for this scene, right. you know, like I don't think that um I don't think that Kenny Warmold is that bad, but he's not he's not Kevin Bacon, yeah. you know. Apparently, again, trivia. Originally this they were trying to get Zac Efron to play yeah. this character. But um he was like I already did the singing and dancing <laughs> thing. I don't want to do the singing and dancing thing. But like I feel like Zac Efron has the star yeah. power to pull this off. Kenny Warmold, I think he's a good dancer and I th- that's why he was right. picked. But when he says, let's dance, nothing flat, <laughs> nothing. There's nothing there for me, you know? Um, and to your point, it's almost the exact same thing. Nothing new came to the forefront, really, which doesn't make sense because we had the David Banner diner right. scene. There should have been some sort of updated thing that happened mm-hmm. here and not just the footloose yeah. ending. Yeah, that diner scene really does hurt this ending. Yeah, because you, I already saw something spectacular from those kids before, uh, before Ren even kind of made any mark on the town and... I guess we just have to do this because it's like the original. I don't know. So they do a better job of uh, the people not dancing. You know, like they do this whole scene with the football yeah. team. Hey, boys, get out there on three! And it's like, no, the couple should have already been doing what they were doing. They were kind of like standing next to each other, not knowing what to do because they've never right. danced ever. But like we know they've danced in this town. So like I know the lead guy was already on the dance floor, but he had to get his offensive line to dance too. But it's like. Were any of them at that diner? Because, like, those, where are those kids? Because, yeah. you know, there, there shouldn't be a problem with dancing in this town because we've seen people dance. Yeah. Like, for real, already in the movie. What the fuck? Exactly, going on? yeah. It's just shooting itself in the foot. Like, these people are scared of dancing. No, you're not. We saw the diner scene. You guys are not only not scared, you guys are amazing at it. <laughs> so, what's the problem here? Why are you guys all being wallflowers? Yeah, it's a lot stronger than the original where there's just doing stupid bops at the diner and then all of a sudden in the end they just kind of break out and then you see all the cool dance moves there's that one guy that kept doing the thing that guy that guy was was cool (laughs) you know what's what's awesome because like we said the original uh 
like the opening sequence has no context at all mm-hmm. for anything else that happens in the film. There is no reason why everybody in town is a professional dancer, yeah. but they yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> I, I think it's honestly. I just think it's the song. The song is so yeah. good. They just made a movie <laughs> around it. They were like, you know what? Someone probably had a script like, yeah, I got this thing called Footloose. Give Kenny Loggins twenty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like they built an entire movie around a song. That's like twenty percent of it is loose. Get loose. <laughs> Kick off your like. I, it works. Why does it work, man? I, I mean, I wish I knew, man. I'd be rich if I didn't understand how shit works like that. <laughs> Just I, 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 and it it really shouldn't work. Like I often think of myself as a rational human being, a person, a man of logic and science, and just Kevin Bacon with the glitter, <laughs> the the disco light, let's, <laughs> and then everyone just going crazy, like in that that opening riff, that dude, <laughs> like just, it's just it, it's so good. And in a remake, I'm like, I've already seen this, and I don't care about anything. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a strength of the original film because, like we, we keep saying, it's of its time. Right? This is 1984. Kids are going to be fucking loving the Kenny Loggins in 1984. Not so much in 2011, okay? Maybe if you played the top hit of 2011, I'd be there with you, dancing. But instead, I'm just going, why do these kids give a shit about this song? It it doesn't work. Like Like you said, they're rebelling with their music. They're using, that's like a form of their rebellion, the kids. Old Kenny Loggins that your parents probably listen to, that's... That's not your rebellion, man. What are you doing? Yeah, and for an audience at that time, too, this must reinforce, especially for a younger audience, um, this idea that, yeah, this is new. This is, this is like, the future. Right. We're, we're not our mm-hmm. parents. We're this young, cool, hip generation. And look, like, uh, this parable, as it were, the story of the small town that's trying to repress you, that's society for all these kids. Right. Like, yeah, they're always trying to tell me what to do, man. Mm-hmm. And nah, but I can dance. And is dancing really like what every kid cares about? No, but they want to express right. themselves. They want to wear their tie like David Bowie. They want to, you know, I, whatever the hell they do to <laughs> be kids. But it's captured. Like you mentioned in this remake, what, what does this have to do with kids now? What It's 2011. Why do I care if Kenny Loggins was dope in the 80s? Like... Where's the little Wayne and Lady Gaga? I'm just I'm so confused. Mm. <laughs> Cause you just did it again, which is fine if you just make the setting the 1980s. Yep. You barely have to change costumes, just less CDs. <laughs> like it, it doesn't make any sense. Like there's not even anything really for a significant amount of the movie, we both were like, is this right. in the past? Is it, I, I, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. I mean, I got nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. kind of everything else i want to say i, I guess could say for my uh closing comments unless there's any other topics that you think because i no i think uh no i think we ultimately you know like look it's it's a very straightforward yeah. story it's a, it's a the fish out of water guy from chicago or boston doesn't really matter goes to a small town meets a girl he likes preacher's daughter with a wild streak they do their thing things go crazy they get a big dance just outside the uh, the town lines, and you know, the senior class gets to have their senior moment. It, you know, it, easy, simple, yeah. straightforward. Why'd they make it so complicated? <laughs> All right, Reggie, let's let's do this thing. All right, I think we already know the answers, but Reggie, should the remake Footloose 
exist. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it it just it doesn't it literally doesn't do anything better than a a nostalgia trip. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm full member berries when it comes to uh, <laughs> Footloose. When you when you recommended Footloose, I didn't want to show you how giddy <laughs> and gleeful, gleeful I was because I genuinely like the movie and it's a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. I know it's a dumb, <laughs> stupid movie. I know John Lithgow, like Shaw Moore, there's not much there. No, Kevin Bacon's barely doing anything, but it's, it's of the time. It was cool at the time. They somehow were able to make it feel, without feeling too commercial, exciting. Like, I don't normally watch dance movies and say, oh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm usually like, look at this garbage, <laughs> you know? But, like, I don't know. They just, they captured something, right. you know? And it's hard to quantify. Um, and it's, it's a, it is such an easy story to follow that you can go in and out, like you were saying before, and still ultimately arrive at the conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because the preacher's more relatable. He's got inroads that you can agree with, even when you disagree with him. Kevin Bacon looks like he doesn't belong in that town. Like, he's got different hair. Mm-hmm. He's got a different style. And I just believe more that these people are coming to a head and that this guy has the charisma and personality to get an entire town to change his ways and go dance uh, professionally <laughs> for, for a night. I like it. I like that movie. I hate the remake because I saw that mm. movie. I didn't need to see that. I'll just go watch that yeah. again. Why would I watch this? With an actor I like less? <laughs> <laughs> With a plot that makes me question why there's an iPod and, you know, and like old music playing at the same time? I, I didn't understand mm-hmm. what they were doing at any point in the <laughs> film. So I, I, don't, I just don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you, Reggie. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't think this remake should exist at all. I, I, I had a hard time watching the original, too, honestly. I mean, I know it definitely captured something, lightning in a bottle, at the time it came out. I, I think the music is really a huge part of what made that original film work. These songs, like, this is the first time like people would hear Footloose. Holding Out for Heroes, written for this movie also. So you got some big-time songs, Hero for the Boy. You know, it's huge hits. This, was, this movie was just a hit machine, you know, so many hits um, when it comes to music. The remake, I don't know what you're doing, man. You could have easily followed that formula. Let's put out some 2011 songs and then put out those hits. Let's let's make this movie, but for 2011. That's what I thought I was getting into when I was watching the remake. But no, I hear Footloose. I see the exact same shot <laughs> from the original film, which is the feet. So I'm like, okay, we're getting a little close here. And... You know my rule, man. You gotta do something new in this remake to justify it being made. I didn't get anything new. We're, we're doing the exact same dance, pun intended, and I didn't have fun <laughs> the second time, for sure. Um, they really missed the boat here. I think the story of Footloose works when it's, yeah, they're kids and their music against the old people and their music. Like, it's, it's a generation clash thing. Like, you don't understand us, we don't understand you, we're gonna clash. But somebody has to win, and, you know, you want it to be the new generation, the kids. And that story's not as strong when you're using music that was made before these kids were even born. Why are right. we Why are we still doing the songs from the 80s? I like that music. Doesn't mean these teenagers in high school are going to like it. I get it. Like, it was cool when it came out in the 80s, but let's make it for this generation. So I think, had they made it their own, like, let's have more contemporary songs, 2011. That makes sense to me. 
redoing Footloose twice doesn't make sense to me. I like a little nod here, like holding out for hero, like a little acoustic thing. That was cool. Let's have like one or two of those instead of just, oh, let's just do hero for the boy again. It's like, why? I, to your point, I could see it already over here. So I think they just completely missed the boat here. Like that was a way they could have done it with updated music or like you kind of gave me this idea, like set it in the eighties, but almost make it kind of like one of those Brady Bunch movies that's kind of self-aware of like how cheesy it was. So just to have a little more fun with it, because it is a stupid plot. <laughs> so, you know, kind of a self-deprecating, kind of a self-aware 80s remake. That could be an interesting way to go with it. A little more humor there. Yeah, um, almost like satirical. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like still like, not mean with it, but just like ref- referential, yeah, like you're saying. But still sort of true to that, like, you know, kids versus adults kind of a thing that they established. So a remake could work. This one, though, yeah. definitely no. See, see, yeah, especially, too, because uh, biblical themes don't play the same 30-plus years later. Uh, I think society's grown a little bit more secular um, overall. I, I kind of like what you're saying, which is, um, you know, modernizing it. I could see the plot where... You know, the people in the town are rallying against, like, the modern yeah. music. And then they take some of those 80s songs, like, well, you were listening to this. And then, like, pointing out, like, I don't know, inconsistencies of that logic in the music that they grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, or, like like we mentioned before, or, like, modernizing. I don't know. Like, they, there's just so much, so many things they could have done. And all they did was just... I mean, let's call it what it is. This looks like a cash grab to me. You just took the exact same thing, repackaged it, and tried to say, we're going to resell you Footloose, which is ridiculous. Yeah. it It's I, the same movie. I, it's 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 almost up there with Psycho, just like how much they took from the original source material. Like a lot of lines are similar. Not every line. Mm-hmm. They did change a thing here or there, but this is along the lines of Psycho. Of just They just did the exact same thing and... I don't like it when they do that. Yeah. I think that's why I missed this movie the first time around. Like, I saw it, and again, I, I have a, uh inclination to like Footloose-related mm-hmm. things. I saw the trailer. I was like, uh, <laughs> looks like they're just doing Footloose. And I skipped it. So, you know, um, if you watched it for <laughs> watching this uh, series, sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, hey, we had to watch it, too. So, get over yeah. it. <laughs> just, man, what a... just pretty bad no it's you know it's nice when a remake you know has references to the original you know that's cool one or two but everything was a reference everything i saw on the remake just reminded me of the original and it was just like well i should just be Mm -hmm. watching that film why am i wasting my time watching this because you're clearly referencing this film and it's much better than yours i shouldn't (laughs) be sitting here so um no 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 good no good with that remake all right all right all right. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Anybody who loves that Footloose remake, go ahead. Defend it. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. I guess at this point, we got to figure out what we're doing next. I picked yeah, Footloose, yeah. so perhaps you want to get us out of this 80s dance craze? Yeah, I wanted to do something, uh, since we're talking about modern modernization, I want to do something a little bit more current. So... About a week from the day, 
the Mulan live action movies Ooh. coming out on uh, Disney Plus. And I figure, you know, let's give uh, audience members a chance to do something a little more current True. and recent. So why don't we do the original Mulan animated film in a live action remake that's coming out? Uh, okay yeah i like it we haven't done a cartoon live action remake since 101 dalmatians and well it ended well for one of us but not the other one <laughs> so check out that episode if you haven't watched it anybody but uh yeah this will be cool i've seen the trailer for the mulan and uh we uh, we will see yeah. <laughs> if it lives up to yeah. the original yeah totally cool awesome mulan looking forward to it i'm sure uh I'm sure the wives are gonna like that those choices too yeah <laughs> all right well, uh, I'm Dan Bulick. You could find us uh, if you guys have any suggestions or just any comments, anything we missed. You know, we're at Retro versus Remake and all the social medias: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please leave us a comment. We love interacting with you guys. If you're on iTunes, you can leave us a comment, five stars there. We'd greatly appreciate that as well. Absolutely. I'm Reggie Parker. You can find me at RP Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. But definitely check out Retro versus Remake on all the social medias. Like Dan said, love to hear from you. What's your take? You absolutely want to cut loose, put loose. Let us know. You know. All right. And with that, thanks for watching. Thanks for watching another episode of Retro versus Remake. Remake. Dun dun.